0: Good morning, everyone. Would you guys stand with us as we worship together? sing about God's greatness.
1: From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea. we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing God. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should In the sun and gives source to its light it Yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night None can fathom Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars indescribable, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name, you are amazing God, all-powerful, untamable, awestruck, we fall to our knees uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. Incomparable, unchangeable. You see the depths of my heart.
0: You guys, can be seated for a second.
2: Good morning, Cypress Bible Church. I'm Tony Svenson, the Go Pastor. We have a few announcements for you this morning. Uh, several opportunities. Uh, CBC now has, wait for it, an app. <laughs> and so um, this is going to give you opportunity to see bulletin on the on the app. Uh, church calendar, group messaging needs, and all kinds of online giving, and, and much, much more. It's going to be amazing. And so, if you want to learn more about the app, uh, Matt Neville will be in the Commons in between services. If you have any questions, uh, we are getting ready to start a uh, possibly start a bilingual group. Um, if you're interested in that, uh, Spanish English, uh, go to the Grow kiosk in the Commons. And they're going to, depending on the need and the interest, they're going to determine a time, uh, of, a, a night, when, when, when it's going to be best for everybody to meet. So if you're interested in that, uh, please go to the Grow kiosk and find out more about that. We also have the Men's Ministry Bible Study uh, continuing, and uh, it's uh, How to Respond to a Secular Culture in Truth and Love. And that is Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8.30 and Thursday mornings at 6.00 to 7.30. So if you haven't participated in that yet, you can still join them. Uh, We also have CBC 101 going on uh, at 9.30. Okay. At 11. I've got bifocals, so I'm learning how to read again. Uh, At 11 o'clock. And so feel free to join that if you want to learn more about CBC and how you can get engaged in the ministries here. Uh, We also have several things going on in the GO ministry. Uh, This Wednesday, we're going to, in a partnership with Moore Elementary, we're going to be doing See You at the Pole on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. And then we're also going to have a teacher's lunch on Friday. And so if you would like to volunteer for that lunch, uh, please go to the GO kiosk in the Commons and we'll sign you up to participate Uh, in those two events. We also have a four-week Bible study coming up called Storyline, and it's to help you discover your part in God's global mission. And so that is going to be starting here coming up in October 10th, I believe. And so you'll be able to sign up for that. It's kind of a mini perspectives, uh, so that's a a great opportunity. We also have two short-term mission trips coming up, Dominican Republic. We're going to be going from December 1st through the 5th. Uh, so a great opportunity. And then we're looking for interest in potentially going to the Mexican border. Uh, we've got a ministry we're working with that's already down there doing some really cool work and hearing some amazing stories. Uh, so if that's something you may be interested in, uh, please, again, go to the Grow Kiosk. Uh, we also have a- an opportunity for us as a church. We've got missions calendars or missions posters of all of our missionaries. And so it's a great opportunity for us to, as a reminder, to pray for our missionaries, uh, it's also our privilege to pray for you. And so we have a prayer wall out here in the Commons. If you would fill out those little cards of your prayer requests, uh, our staff would love the opportunity to pray for you. So just remember to fill those cards out. So Psalm 95 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout to him with psalms. For the Lord, our God is great, the great King above all gods. Let us continue to worship this morning.
0: Let's stand again as we sing.
1: You stood before creation, eternity. Is
0: There's a need to worship. Take our praise as offering to you. Let's sing about him being the cornerstone today, our rock, our fortress.
1: My hope is built on nothing left. In Jesus blood and righteousness, I do not trust the sweetest spring, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. See that again. My hope is built on nothing. Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest spring, but wholly trust
0: We thank you for being our cornerstone, that you are our rock, Lord, our redeemer. Nothing that we can do can separate us from you, Lord. Lord, today as we go through this service, through this day, through this week, I pray that that would sink in, that you are our all in all, that you are our salvation and our redemption and our everything, God. We owe everything to you and we bow our lives today to you. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. In your name we pray, amen. Pastor, would you come?
3: That is uh, one of the songs that helps us to remember that this is a church about Jesus. And we are centered on him, uh, build our lives on him, and he is our only hope that through faith in Christ alone we have peace with God give him thanks for that. There was a study done by some psychologists uh, a few years ago that uh, found out that if you win a gold medal at the Olympics, you are very happy, thankful, and content. Does that shock you in any way? The study found more than that, though. What is a little surprising is that these researchers found that if you won the silver medal, you are far less happy than if you won bronze. Now here is a picture from the Tokyo Olympics and gold and bronze are fist bumping and silver looks pretty depressed. Apparently most silver medalists end up tormenting themselves imagining if I just tried a little harder. um, The study measured the immediate happiness of the bronze winner, and it was far above the happiness of the silver. And then at the medal stand, that continued. It's something else. Also, another medal winner, a silver medal winner, a wrestler at the Tokyo Olympics, said this. What's the point? This silver medal is okay, but it's not gold. Apparently, when you win the silver, you fixate on missing out. But bronze medalists tend to be thankful that they made it onto the podium at all. They're just grateful they got any kind of medal. We're in a series called Acceptable Worship, and today the focus is being thankful. And I trust that you're going to see quickly how this ties into worship and its acceptability before God. Let me assure you that being thankful has nothing to do with where you are in the metal stand and everything to do with where God stands. The key to being thankful isn't really so much in counting your blessings. If you've been around the church for a long time, you'll remember the gospel song, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. Not a bad practice, not very accurate either. The reality is with our blessings, some of the things that you think are blessings may not be. And reality, there are other things that are blessings that there are things that you might see as a curse instead. So it's not a very accurate way to count your blessings, but not unhelpful at all. I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning that says something about thanksgiving, thankfulness, and its connection to worship. And so hear these words, Hebrews 12 verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So in the next few moments, I want to answer three questions. From this passage, three questions. Here they are. Why should we be thankful? How Should we be thankful? And third, what prevents us from being thankful? And Trust that you'll see how this connects to acceptable worship. So that first question, why should we be thankful? Well, there's one answer to that question in this passage. And it's not because we're surrounded by family and friends. It's not because we live in a free country. It's not because we have food on the table. It's not because we have employment. It's not because we have our health. The call to be thankful is based on something that's true even if all those things disappear. This scripture written to those whose faith is in Christ, those who have entered into a new covenant by the blood of Jesus, gives us one reason why we should be thankful. And it's because you're part of an unshakable kingdom. And we live in a very shaky world in lots of respects, but even just literally shaking around the globe, over 11,000 earthquakes have been recorded so far this year. The earth shook, buildings crumbled, 2,405 people died in 2021. And I assure you, there's more shaking on the way. Why? Why? Well, if you look at the context, because you you notice how that verse that I read, verse 28, starts, therefore, that means it's predicated on something that's already been said. So we'll just back up to the verses before, verse 26 and 7. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, His voice shook the earth. But now He makes another promise. Once again I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. And this means that the things on earth will be shaken, so that only eternal things will be left. So there's some very definite promises here. And the words shook and shake and shaken occur throughout this chapter and they are all terms used to describe actual earthquakes. It's the violent rending of the earth that flattens buildings and swallows mountains. And a day is coming that says when God will shake not just the earth, but the created universe. Why is God doing doing that? What's the point of these terrifying disasters that destroy cities and possessions and lives? Well, let me say it this way. That every shaking is a call to focus on what is eternal. That's the, the teaching of that verse. So every seismic tremor is a reminder that everything around us is temporary. Now our hearts go out to the people of Haiti, where over 2,000 people died last month in an earthquake. And similar-scale disasters are also devastating, like the the tornado outbreak in the Midwest that left people grieving over the loss of everything that they own. And I quote here Kimberly and Philip Lang, who hid with their kids in the basement. Even though the the storm destroyed their home, they are thankful. Kimberly said this, "It, It was the best day of my life. Because I felt so kept in the palm of God's hand. So every destructive storm, every tremble of the earth, is an opportunity to remember that none of this is lasting. Every shaking is a call to focus on what's eternal. That's the teaching of Hebrews 12. And the day is coming when the material world will convulse and only what is eternal will remain. And it's on that basis that verse 28 follows, and it says, Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. So notice this eternal kingdom is something you receive. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. The kingdom is given. You receive it. This is the kingdom of God offered by Jesus. And he said, Unless you receive this kingdom as a little child, like a little child, you will never enter. And that means you put your total trust in Jesus as rescuer, Savior, Redeemer. And rather than trying to make it your own way, depending on yourself, attempting to be your own Savior, you are dependent on Him alone. Like a toddler, you reach out in dependent trust and you receive what you cannot achieve on your own. Those who receive Christ, those who believe on His name become part of His kingdom. And that kingdom is eternal. It begins here and now in your heart, in your mind. And it is eternal. It is the one thing that cannot be shaken. John 1.12, Colossians 1.13 talks of this kingdom. A kingdom that will not be moved. Nothing will destabilize it. Nothing will devalue it. And so when all else in our lives is shaken to pieces, it will remain. Now, notice it doesn't just say that this kingdom won't be shaken. It says it cannot be shaken. That through Jesus, my trust is in Christ. I belong to something that will last eternally. It will not fail. I've been given a privilege, a power, a position that will never be destroyed. And that is for you, too, if your trust is in Christ alone. And if you know that that is reality, then... the. Only rational response is thanksgiving. And this gratitude will survive a health crisis. This, this gratitude will survive the loss of your possessions. It will survive the death of a loved one. Uh, no matter what, you still have the one thing that cannot change. The kingdom of God in you. Christ, the hope of glory. So through Jesus, you belong to God's unshakable empire. And so that's why... You should be thankful. I should be thankful. We're part of an unshakable kingdom. That's the question number one. Well, how should I be thankful? That's question number two. How? Well, look at that passage again. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So this is the answer to how to be thankful. It's by worshiping God with reverence and awe, and this is interesting because everything i read and hear about christian worship in the united states says this isn't happening all that much the critiques i read say that there are two extremes legan duncan and i'll quote him on this he writes in some churches there's such an emotional display in worship that reverence is lost completely in other churches the congregation appears to have been caught at a stranger's funeral Deadpan and flat, they go through the customary motions. Both of these tendencies reflect serious deficiencies in the practice of true Christian worship of God. I agree with Duncan, and I see these same extremes as well. There are churches where worship is cold and lifeless and unemotional, predictable formalism, and the other extreme are churches where worship is nonchalant, emotional, uh, shallow, superficial, human-focused entertainment. Neither of these fits the description of reverence and awe. So we'd better figure out, if we're going to worship as thankful people should, what it looks like to worship God with reverence and awe. Now, that that word reverence, by the way, the Greek word carries the idea of modesty of respectability it's only used one other place in the new testament and that's in first timothy uh, it's about how to dress for worship and you say well how specific is it well it's this specific it's the dress in a way that doesn't show off dress in a way that doesn't distract others that's the word for reverence here and you combine that with an attitude of awe which is fear holy respect for god and so there needs to be this awe and reverence for the creator of the universe. Holy respect comes from knowing who you're dealing with and who are we dealing with. Well, Hebrews 12 says we're dealing with a God who is a consuming fire. That's pretty blunt. And all consuming fire is a terrifying thing. If you think of the world trade towers, and the, when, when planes full of fuel crashed into them, that fire burned with such a, an intensity that steel beams melted and the buildings collapsed into dust. A consuming fire isn't something that you, you approach casually or carelessly. A fire that is intense is not something that you dabble in or play with. It's, it's awe-inspiring. That's why, as Leon Morris once uh, wrote, that God is not to be trifled with. It's not to be trifled with. And unless you're ignorant or foolish, you don't trifle with a consuming fire. God's perfection is so intense, His holiness so powerful, it burns and blazes with white hot light. This is the God we worship. This is New Testament teaching on worship. A God who is so holy and mighty that no one can come face to face with Him in our imperfection or He would destroy us. And right now we can only see a poor reflection of Him, 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve says, like in a mirror. Because in our humanness we can't handle any more than that. And just that little glimpse of God should provoke holy respect and awesome reverence. When we gather to worship, our corporate gathering, it should not be stuffy formality. It should not be casual indifference. We're not aiming for emotionalism or anti-emotionalism. We don't want slickly produced entertainment or mechanically dull ritual. And worship includes far more than corporate gatherings, clearly. In this verse, by the way, the word for worship, uh, l- men, um refers to all activities directed toward God. So that everything can be a spiritual act of worship toward God. So that for for those who belong to Jesus, that's what's true. All varieties of spiritual service are included in this idea of worship. So you worship when you do your schoolwork with reverence for God. You You worship when you carry out your job with awe of God. You worship when you put food on the table for your family with gratitude to God. You worship when you're intimate with your spouse with gratitude to God. You worship when you make wise financial decisions with respect to God. You worship when you enjoy God's creation with awe and wonder, recognizing with praise the Creator who made it all. You worship when the light of Christ shines through you to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your classmate. So all the actions and the choices of life can be done with holy respect to the God who is a consuming fire. So how should you be thankful by worshiping God with reverence and awe? And I think each of us needs to deal with what that means, it looks like, feels in my life to be the kind of person God calls me to be. That's how. We've done why, we've done how, And now, what prevents us from being thankful? Well, there are two reasons that grateful worship gets sidetracked in our lives. Uh, There's two reasons here in this text uh, that that any lack of thanksgiving, any lack of of grateful worship uh, is caused by at least one of these two things. So let's think about them. One is... Put in our hope in the wrong kingdom. I want to describe what that means. Think for a moment where is it that you lack contentment in your life? Are you dissatisfied in your marriage? Are you unhappy with your job? Are you struggling financially? Are you discouraged over your lack of success? Wherever you are lacking contentment, that's where your hope can be on the wrong kingdom. It's unless you're convinced that God's kingdom is unshakable, then your hopes are going to rise and fall based on other factors and things. So let me give you an example, some examples. When, when hope is connected to the stock market, to interest rates, to property values, the price of oil, then you're going to find it difficult to be thankful, to worship gratefully. Because you're based in the shaky kingdom of finance rather than the unshakable kingdom of God. When when your hopes are connected to a candidate, a a party platform, or an election cycle, you're based in the flimsy foundation of politics rather than the unshakable kingdom of God. Maybe you have a failure in your past. You have the baggage of of bad choices been made sinful decisions. Or or maybe uh, your child or spouse or parent is the one who failed you. Their sin damaged you. Their behavior hurt you. But whether you are the sinner or the sinned against, you'll not be able to be thankful as long as your hope is on the wrong kingdom. So what do I mean? Well, if the sin and baggage is in your past until you confess and turn away from it your hope is misplaced and when you do repent if you're focused on repairing your reputation if you're focused on distancing yourself from the mess then your hope is in the shaky kingdom of pride it's a kingdom a lot of us put our hopes in if you are the one who's been sinned against and 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 it either hasn't been made right by that person who hurt you or did you wrong or you can't accept the confession of the one who wronged you, then your hope is in the shaky kingdom of appearances and revenge, getting even. So is your pride and joy found in your family, or is it found in Jesus? Is your treasure something that you can weigh, uh, measure, count, save? Or is it infinite, eternal, beyond imagination? Put your hope in the right kingdom, and you will give grateful worship no matter what. Thankful. What else prevents us from being thankful? That second reason is failing to worship God acceptably. Failing to worship God acceptably. No, it, it, this, is, this is where I got the title of this series, Acceptable Worship. See, not all worship is equal according to Scripture. There's worship that God accepts, and there's worship He does not. And so, for any one of us who's in Jesus, we, we ought to be very concerned that what we say we're offering God is actually something He accepts. So, worship that respects God as a consuming fire is a beginning point for that acceptable worship, according to Hebrews twelve twenty-eight, twenty-nine. 29. Grappling with what that means. That's something I still do. Grappling with what that means, to worship God acceptably with awe and reverence. Listen to what Will Williman said about this very thing. He said, today we build our churches like great carpeted living rooms, bedrooms, where every hard edge is cushioned, and little preachers pad around in bathrobes and slippers lest someone be mildly moved. And mostly we don't get moved. We come out of church no different from when we entered. Our pastors are now relegated to the helping professions, chaplains to the occasionally afflicted affluent reassurers of the status quo, affirmers of things as they are, and the earth is not shaken by such secular silliness. That's quite an indictment. I'm never wearing a bathrobe here, by the way. But may God forgive us for all the times we have walked away from holy worship unmoved, unchanged. God forgive us, God forgive me, for all the times we may have been merely amused or entertained the times we've been unchallenged the, the times we left not out of holy fear but distracted not in awe of the fiery holiness of the almighty worship god acceptably and it will release thanksgiving from the core of your being you'll be overwhelmed that the god who is so blindingly holy loves you so much can you ever get over the wonder of the gospel God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That, that's not going to get old. That's probably the first thing I ever learned as a kid. And it's not going to get old. This is the most glorious truth there is. The selfless sacrifice of Christ for your sin will incinerate Thanklessness. The power of His resurrection will elevate you to new heights of gratitude and glory. But until and unless you grasp this, you won't be truly thankful. There won't be grateful worship that flows. So today, that's what I urge you toward. A grateful worship. And, and let, me, let me put it this way, that the, uh, the great joy of being a Christian is that no matter what happens, your life in Christ is unshakable. Mark Galley tells of a time he was leading a Bible study for a group of Laotian refugees. And the Laotians had very, very little Bible knowledge. And they they went through the passage where Jesus calms the storm. And so Mark asked them a very typical American Bible study type question. What about the storms in your lives? And the Laotians looked at him very puzzled. And so so Mark said, well, we all have problems and worries and troubles, and this story teaches that Jesus can give us peace in the midst of those storms. So what are your storms? And again, the Laotians like, we don't know what he's talking about. They're puzzled. Finally, one of them asked, do you mean that, that Jesus actually calmed the wind and the sea in the middle of a storm? And Mark said, yeah, but that miracle really encourages us to, to remember that Jesus can calm the storms in our lives. Well, there's more awkward silence. Then finally, one of them said, well, if Jesus calmed the wind and the waves, he must be a powerful man. And at this, they all nodded vigorously and they started chattering to each other And Leo. And Mark said, except for me, the room was filled with wonder. And I suddenly realized they grasped this story far better than I did. Today, I want you to look beyond the storms in your life. I know you have them. I know you've had them. Some big, some small. I want you to look beyond those storms. Because those storms, they're temporary. And I want to point you to the One who is eternal I want you to be with me so caught up in wonder you worship the one who stands above the storm. When the tornado blows through, the hurricane comes, you, you might lose your home. When the market sinks, tanks, you might go bankrupt. When the flood comes, you might lose all your possessions. When, when the test comes back, it might show cancer. When the car crashes, you might lose a loved one. But hear this, receiving an unshakable kingdom does not mean loss prevention in this world. Not the most popular message, but it's the biblical one. An unshakable kingdom does not mean you're never going to lose anything in this world. No, that's not what it means at all. It does not mean you will escape the earthquake. What it means is this, that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what it means. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the truth of Your Word, which stands strong through all things. We thank You, Lord, that as much as we cling to what is visible, that You promise what is eternal, that in the midst of all the shaking that goes on in our lives, relationally, emotionally, physically, that that You are the one who is unshakable, that Your rule, And rain will never change. And we are grateful that we can remain in your love from which nothing can separate us. And we only have the audacity to say this. We only have the confidence to say this because of Jesus. And so we declare this and pray this in the precious name of your Son and our Savior, Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Would you stand with us again as we sing one last song?
1: There's a place, where I see
3: pray over you words from ephesians chapter 3 but i want to encourage you uh regarding prayer that uh after this service for the next half hour there'll be a couple of elders available here at the front to pray uh with you for you for any reason just uh, feel free to come and avail yourself of that ministry also as tony mentioned the uh the prayer uh, board it's really out there in the commons uh there are there are tags uh this is something that we did didn't do for about a year and uh getting back into that but there are tags there where you can write a prayer request hang that on the uh that the board provided and it's not simply staff who prays for you although we do that but uh uh any of you feel free to go and pray for a request there and just uh, initial it or write a date and let uh, people know that it's being prayed for. And um, we've, we've uh, seen God work through that. I want to continue to encourage you to make uh, use of that uh, opportunity to uh, pray for one another, to be prayed for as well. So receive these words from Ephesians 3. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God bless you. Go in peace.